Welcome back to How to Tickle Yourself. I'm your host, Duff McDonald, with my co-host, Matt McButter. We're in Season 3, The Tickle of Consciousness. Today, we have our very first repeat guest on the podcast. If you don't include Crazy Legs and Malcolm Fitch, who both just wouldn't stop talking, so we had to cut their episodes in two. This time, we've invited someone back. This is the wonderful Tara Bach, artist and human extraordinaire. We talked to her last season about finding her tickles through art and parenting, sometimes both at the same time. But we've decided to have her back today. We asked her to come back today because like our recent guest, Malcolm Fitch, she recently had a spiritual experience that changed her outlook on everything. It changed her art. I know that if you look closely, you'll see that angels are showing up in her paintings uh, and there's more light in them, even though they are all seem light based. I see the light in them. More importantly, it changed the way she feels about herself. And I visited her studio last week. She invited me up to talk about a book cover I want her to paint for me. But it was really a trick. What she really wanted to do is get me to paint, to actually move colors around myself. So she sandbagged me. Anyway, we couldn't stop talking about the common aspects of our respective experiences. Uh, So we decided to have her back and let her tell you about hers herself. Welcome back, Tara. We're glad to have you back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. present moment, unburdened and unbound, the rain is gently falling, right here, right now, right here, right now, right here, right now. We should just jump right in here. You know, we did it with Malcolm, uh, which we were just talking about before we got on here. Take us back to wherever you want to and tell us what happened. Why are we talking here again? Okay, so I will take you back and describe the experience that I went through. I had reached a point where it's about the new year and I kind of was feeling a okay, I'm ready to kind of just get back into like work mode. I have all these goals and I'm ready to just really move forward with all this energy I have. And I had this very elaborate plan. (laughs) And I said, well, I knew, I knew that I wanted to start my year off by honoring Christina, who had passed a few years ago. And I just knew that I wanted to take her with me on whatever journey this was going to be. I knew it was going to be big. And I wanted to start by creating a painting to honor her, which I couldn't figure out how to do before because when someone passes, like to to paint a picture just like wasn't doing it for me. Because how do you capture the essence of someone who means so much? It's not, it's not by a photo. And I knew that within myself. And so it was like this weird battle that it kept coming up through the year. And then all of a sudden I just said, you know, whatever happens, I'm going to take this studio day and I'm just going to show up. I'm going to show up and I'm going to dedicate this day to just trying. And even if it just turns into a complete shit show, I will light it on fire and just say, because it's not always about the outcome. It's about you know, the process. And if I need to honor her in a way that is not seen, 
I'm totally fine with that. So if that was my goal to start off my year honoring her. And that meant spending a whole day dedicating to a, a practice of putting something out onto a canvas. That's what it was going to be. And I accepted that. And I went into the studio and I went to go set up my palette. And so I'm setting up my palette and I've got it almost complete. Then I look at it and I'm like, Tara, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you wanted to oil paint this year. Like, why not now? And so I'm having this little inner dialogue with myself. And I was just like, well, just put this whole palette out. And then finally I got to a point where like, you know what? You said you're going to oil paint. You said you're going to be here for Christina. You're going to do the freaking oil painting. So I begin putting my oil paints out. And I don't even know how to oil paint. I just start working on this painting that I had been working on for months already, but just kept coming to this like brick wall. It it felt like I was just like meeting this brick wall constantly. All of a sudden I get there and all of a sudden, like it's like this release or just like this clarity unfolds of, oh, like this is what it's supposed to be. That's how it kind of started. I looked at the painting it looked totally different and it was completely clear instead of the feeling of I show up and I do a little bit here and that makes sense. And then I I adjust and then this and that it suddenly was all clear. And then I said, okay, great. Got something to work with now. (laughs) And then I look again and as like the paintings unfolding, I, I saw these angels in the painting and I look again and all of a sudden in the corner of the painting of an angel I'm painting, I was like, Oh, it's weird. That baby looks familiar. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, that looks like me. Like I, I found this familiarity all of a sudden in this baby angel I was painting. And what's even funnier is I'm painting a baby angel that's creating a painting of the earth. Like it was just hmm. so circular there. Matt, have you ever painted a baby angel of yourself? <laughs> You've seen my, I, yeah, I don't know if you've seen my stick figure drawing stuff, but they're not very sophisticated. Yeah, you've seen mine too. So anyway, sorry, sorry, Tara, continue. No, no. <laughs> but I mean, I've never even painted a baby angel before. So <laughs> even just like, my ego would love to be like, who the fuck do you think you are painting yourself as an angel? Like, no. <laughs> um, and it took me by surprise because at first I did the glance and I was like, oh, huh. And then all of a sudden it almost what I can only describe as a meteor coming and just fucking taking me out to the point where I dedicated this whole studio day to this painting. And it hit me so hard that I had to physically, the first thing I did was I had to sit down. Mm, That's what Malcolm, Malcolm said the same thing. He ended up sitting down. I had to, Hmm. I physically had to sit down because I was like, in I, there was a loss for words. I actually cognitively couldn't create real sentences, thoughts. It was this, someone pulled the thread of my sweater and it was just like hmm. being drug out completely. And what felt like this moment, it really truly felt like a, a hit of a moment that just changed everything. And it was the clarity of a veil and just released and everything else was there that I never saw before. Would you call it an expansion of awareness, which you didn't oh. realize what it was, and but that's what it was, right? Yeah, and I okay. couldn't, but it was like, you could, you can't describe it because again, it's, it was like, I even was like, did I take something this morning? Like, I don't take, I don't take medicine. I was like, like, what is this? Like, did somebody slip me something? Because it was so 
un of this earth that there had to have been something that had contributed to it happening because mm-hmm. I couldn't figure it out. I was going to ask. So to confirm, you were you were so, you were entirely sober. 10 a.m. Just dropped yeah. the kids off to school. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason I would suggest uh, before you go on that the reason it felt like that was because it was simply outside your previous experience. Right. So the what happens is you get this feeling where you're like, what the hell is going on here? And it's because your awareness is in a is in a place it's never been. So it seems like you are in very unfamiliar territory uh, and it can make you wonder how you got there. It's because there something something Mm -hmm. got removed. Feeling, you know, as someone who has not experienced this, but, you know, has I, I've read about it and now I'm, you know, hearing about it for, for the second time. I, and I think it, I think it's interesting that neither of you really had a trigger. Like there wasn't anything specific that mm. triggered it. It wasn't happening amidst something profound happening in, in your life. I mean, for you, you paint every day, right? Like you're painting all the time and it was in the midst of painting and Malcolm presumably, you know, picks apples all the time frequently. And I think he was, Standing on a tree, picking it. Was he? No, no. He was. Nail he was nail right. gunning. That's he was right. doing construction. Ladder. Yeah. He. W- I would say his was. He was yeah. alone, so he needed quiet. Tara sounds more like she was thinking it was like a love thing. She was thinking of yeah her friend, mm-hmm. right? So, but but not nothing so out of the ordinary that it that you would expect it to be this. You know, you weren't tr- skydiving or anything, right? Yeah, or like on the top of a mountain or something. You know. And I think that's the most beautiful way to discover it because it literally being in a, in an everyday experience that I do ritually all the time, you know, it's my studio day. I go to work, I show up and maybe it was something in the joy or, you know, like I wasn't even, you show up to your canvas and like, my goal was not necessarily to, I wasn't like so enveloped to be like, oh, this is my love for her. This was, it, it was also just, I've shown up to my work very ritualistically in a get it done work way. And I did start showing up for love consistently in love of like doing things for an internal purpose started sneaking in through 2021 and kind of like Mm -hmm. on the sly. (laughs) So for the sake, for the sake of the work itself, right? Yeah. But I mean, it was always there, like, but. I think that's why I got so entranced with my painting style to begin with is because it was the first thing, like maybe one of the first uh, nudges you get on this, on this path of finding yourself or like on this path to self-awareness. I think it's a long journey that we're on before it even happens to the experience itself. And now when this happened, I'm looking at this new awareness and all of a sudden it's like, I'm, I have this home and it's like overgrown with weeds. I remember we were talking about this and all of a sudden I'm looking, I'm like, well, I got to figure out what this is and I got to weed it out. And cognitively, I actually physically couldn't. So I just started writing it down and I don't write at all ever, but that was the only way I could put it somewhere because my mind was a mess. And because it was everything, it was every single narrative I had in my entire life was completely flipped upside down and changed in an instant. And I was like, no, this was like the truth I lived by. Like, this is, this is literally like everything I've put myself into, but it 
I said to Joey in May of 2020, I said, everything I thought I knew was wrong. Yeah. I had that exact same sense. It's hard to sort of describe that because it's not like factual invalidations. Like, you know, I don't live in the house I think I live in. It's not like that. It's your sense of stuff gets jarred and you're like, oh my God, my point of view was just a point of view. There's Mm -hmm. other points of view. Okay. So what, what was the sort of fallout from this? What is, um, what has it changed in how you're feeling, how you're thinking, how you go through your day? So this just, this just happened. It happened (laughs) January 4th and I, I claim it to be the day that changed my life. And it was almost like a whiplash because I'm like, spiritual awakening, it sounds so like nice and gentle, but I feel like it was more like a bitch slap. And like you said, like everything I thought was wrong. So it was actually, it was actually probably a two week period of just feeling like pure love, like my heart exploding, like everything is beautiful. I love every human on this earth. Like everybody is, we are one. Like it was this indescribable feeling of just pure love. And it just felt like it was just executing out of me, like amazing. And then all of a sudden, like, okay, I got it, my feet back on the ground and like, what are you doing now? And then I was, so it's funny, you're like a rubber band or I'm like a rubber band and, you know, we expand and then we kind of whip back, you know, it, it, it stretchy. <laughs> so then it's kind of been like, okay, I have this new awareness. I have this new sense of self. I have new sense of purpose more than anything and moving forward and trying to like figure that out and recalibrate. Relief? Do you feel relief? Oh, I feel so much relief. So not only in this moment did I feel like love and like every every narrative, but everything that I had attached to and who I thought I was or every experience I've had, I've had a lot of human experience and I found nothing but understanding and forgiveness and wholeness in all of the hurt I've ever felt. And I never would have, that was the missing piece. I always, I was explaining, like I, I've always kind of just pushed through and moved on, but never embraced and like looked at or honored whatever has happened in my life. And I never thought there was a point because it was like, it was painful. I was like, well, let's just move forward and like not think about it anymore. But I never like, took any time. I didn't anticipate that it was still holding me down in any way either because I had so much abundance still. Oh, you make a re- you make a really good point. In the last couple of years I used to tell Joey every now and then like when a piece of stress got removed I suddenly was aware in retrospect that I'd been carrying around a piece of stress that yeah. I wasn't that I wasn't totally conscious of. Like when, say, uh, uh, a check comes in or we uh, something gets sorted out, I'd be like, oh, my God, I did not realize how much that was bringing me down until the the burden is gone and I feel like I can fly. So that, I think, is a really great point. Like we don't know the burdens we're carrying all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. until they get until they're gone. Right. Yeah. Because. You can't look at it and go, oh, look at the size of my psychological burden that I'm carrying around. It's getting real heavy, but it is until it's not. And then you realize how heavy it was. Absolutely. Yeah. So the weight lifted and the beautiful forgiveness and 
the humility and how I how I went about my myself in the world was just also there as well. So I had to find forgiveness for myself for all these thoughts that I I had. It's been so it's been nice. It's it's been embracing this new spiritual side and then also embracing my human experience and what I'm here for. And that was the missing piece all along as well. I kept myself compartmentalized in all the pieces I didn't like. And I only lived like a fraction of myself without embracing the rest. So when you say you felt you felt a more of a sense of purpose, I felt the same thing, but it's like nothing. I'm still doing what I was doing before. Right. Mm-hmm. So my purpose didn't require an overhaul of what I do. How would you characterize renewed sense of purpose? What does that mean? I think it's different for everybody. I think that's part of my understanding now is everybody does serve a different, we are one in this world and everybody has their own place and their own voice to speak to others. And I think it's more like, I know what possibility is and I am living proof of the human experience of possibility. And I know for the first time, there's no like, there's no guidebook to say, if you do A, B, and C, you will get enlightenment. You will get awareness, achieve consciousness, because it wasn't this moment that I didn't expect. But I also can share the possibility and the understanding that life is infinite. And it's looking at the seed that we have and all the things that we do have, because that's something I have been. I've been completely resourceful my whole life. And I've looked at, well, I do have this. What can I make of it? And I spent my whole life doing that. And it's worked, looking at possibility. So sharing that as part of, and then also sharing in my truth, like there's a lot of those things that kept me separated that I'm comfortable sharing now, you know? I would have never told anybody that I was born in a shelter of daughter of addicts and had all these tough experiences happen because I always had the underlying dialogue in my head. Well, oh, I'd be comfortable sharing it, but it's, you know, it's, it's my kids, it's my family, it's other people involved. You know, I don't want to hurt them, but it's my truth and it's an unshakable thing. It, it could be different from theirs, but it's okay. That's one of the unexpected upsides of suffering and addiction. Mm-hmm. When you go through recovery or AA or whatever and uh, learn to unburden yourself of things that you feel shame or that you feel about and you sort of let them go and suddenly you can tell anybody anything, Mm. right? Like once you get, once you let like a really big one go, right? You realize there's no point in, in keeping secrets about yourself from the world. All it is is sort of get tying you in a knot. Matt, what do you think about all this? It's so interesting how there's these commonalities you know, from experience to experience, one of them that both Malcolm and Tara have described, but also, you know, the ones that I had read about was this ineffability. We talked about it in the Malcolm episode as well. It's like, we're sitting here trying to talk about it in a podcast, but it's, it's very, it, people say they can't really describe it, right? It can only really be experienced, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. Or, yeah, but you can also, you can also <laughs> yes. hear it yeah. in her voice. You can hear it in the yeah. sound of her voice. If not the yeah. words themselves. And right? the thing that I, you know, find interesting, you know, Malcolm as a writer and, and someone who, who's like very familiar with the written word um, and a master of the written word and the verbal word, like 
was putting it into into words in a way that 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 I think was really interesting. And and Terry, you've done a great job as well, but you also have this other way of describing it through visuals. So I'm wondering, do you think that it's going to have an indelible mark on your art going forward? Like, are you, do you think you're going to paint differently and paint about it? Oh yeah. All of a sudden when this experience happened, I felt, I heard, well, actually I didn't hear anything for the first time in my entire life. I heard silence. I have three kids and two dogs and like my husband runs heavy equipment. We're building a house. There's nothing but noise in my entire life. Every there's noise everywhere all the time. But it's not only an audible noise, it's a physical noise you feel from everyday life. You talk about noise, you think that's something you hear. But noise is also the vibrations within our bodies. And for the first time I felt silence. And I still feel I still I feel silence. But that is just been such a blessing because I can meditate for the first time. It's not that I couldn't meditate before, but I felt the sensation of, oh, this is, this is a meditative state. And I was able to finally, with the awareness, embrace that. And then in these meditations, I get the most unbelievable visuals. And they actually, I've been in therapy for a long time. These visuals I have within 15 minutes have brought me to my knees and made more sense and clarity <laughs> coming from within myself and what any therapist could have ever said to me. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like nothing you could describe as well. So I've been painting these, some of the visions I see within my meditations. And it's, you know, what's funny is I, I, right before Duff's book launch, I had a card reading by this really young tarot card reader. And she was telling me that, something was going to happen like after the book launch or, you know, whatnot, and that my art was going to change. And then I spoke with Betty. Joey's mom. Joey's mom, Betty. She's the most amazing astrologer. And she told me my art was going to change. And I was like, I laughed it off. And I was like, wow, that's really cute. I did not spend the last eight years of my life perfecting (laughs) my own, my own, art practice and creating my own paints and doing all this work, like dedicating accounts of myself to something and then just change within the next couple of months. And I, so I just like, I laughed off. I was like, that's really cute. And then it's totally, like I haven't painted upright at an easel for hours at a time, unless I was financially like needing to, for whatever <laughs> reason, you know, it was never by choice, like by soulful choice. And now I'm spending so much time just like letting it all flow. And it's been unbelievable. And then also there was like, just the trusting yourself for the first time, this, this unmistakable trust you finally grow within yourself to have this knowing. Um, I've always painted from having some sort of reference. And now not only are the references coming from within inside, I'm trusting that I know what's coming through is true. And I'm not questioning. So questioning where, well, if I'm doing a landscape, where does the lighting hit this certain area of the landscape if the sun's coming through this way perspectively? I used to get really hung up on the elements of realism when, they, when they're introduced within my art. And I started releasing the, the expectation <laughs> through all that. And it's been such a, another element of the process. So yeah, I can't go back now. Well, I'm, it's always, it's always the multitude. Now I know, now I have all these different 
parts of myself, parts of my creativity. And I have the limitlessness that I know and feel not only visually, but also within myself. And it's like unreal. On which note, uh, that I don't think we could summarize that better. That's the kind of story we're looking for. Tara, that's so awesome. Can we get one or two of the of the post paintings to yeah. put, to include when we when we post this? But that's just amazing. And Matt's, Matt, uh, Matt makes a great point. There's similarities to both what Malcolm said and also what I experienced in 2020. Like it's astounding. Uh, some of mm-hmm. the mirrorings, you know, it just means it's real. That's the other one is this, no, you know, uh, noetic quality they describe it as, and Malcolm spoke of it as well, which is a knowing that it's real, right? It's not, it's not, um, you know, a feeling. Because, I mean, for me, I'm sitting here listening. I'm forever the skeptic. I'm thinking maybe it's some, you know, neurochemical process that's happening that's, you know, intrinsic to evolution or something like that. I'm I'm reserving the right to, you know, to to look at this from a scientific point of view is all I'm saying. Right. But you're right. It's amazing because it's like you get mm-hmm. in receipt of understandings that are unlike any understandings you've had before. Right. Things just have a like it's like instant truth knowledge mm-hmm. yeah. about mm-hmm. stuff that comes through and you, you can just feel it. It's like, this is unlike all the stuff I used to think I knew it's a different kind of knowing. Right. And it's like the, it's, and you feel it. You're like, this is knowing, this Mm -hmm. is knowing the other stuff is thinking. And in any case, thank you for coming back, Tara. That was delightful. And um, it won't be long till we have you back here again soon. Thank you guys so much. I love talking with you. Us too. Welcome back. That song there was called The Great Unwind. It's by my current favorite musician. His name is William Tyler. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Rings rings a bell. He's a guitarist. I was going to say, is it country? Country-ish yeah, though? Yeah. Like, but, but, but like, like psychedelic cosmic con- country. Psychedelic yeah. country. Yeah, yeah. It's He's sort of on my radar. I couldn't There's no, there, he doesn't sing. It's all guitar playing. It's very gentle. <laughs> I just want to add, I didn't just hear that clip. <laughs> like, so, oh, does it sound like country? Psychedelic country. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, it's called, yeah. that one's called The Great Unwind, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's very uh, apropos. Because what Tara and Malcolm and I are talking about is, so there is a some kind of event experience, and then after that is a loosening. Mm-hmm. It is the untying of the knot of the ego. I think it's sort of, that is one way you could explain the flood of emotion that comes out, right? She was like, for two weeks, she was all love. If you look at the first draft of Tickled, I basically thanked every single person I've ever known in that book in, in by word, not everyone I've ever known, all the names, 
Yeah. Anyway, check out William Tyler. He's great. He's the current favorite in this house. So yeah, we talked a little bit about the comparisons there, but it's, Mm -hmm. it is remarkable to me how parallel yet different this kind of experience can be, right? Mm -hmm. Malcolm's Mm -hmm. a 50 year old man by himself in the woods. Tara's a 30 something uh, mother of three in her studio and they get hit by the same bolt of awareness and it literally puts them on the ground. I don't know down. why I forgot about the nail gun because <laughs> it, it, it's been a while since we had that that discussion with Malcolm. Remember, he was on a ladder, but I pictured him for some reason picking apples. I don't know, Maine? They, they have a lot of apples in Maine? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at the, uh, go back and look at the clip for that, the ladder, I looked at it first. I was like, what is this? It's a ladder to heaven or something? And it's like, no, Oscar put that in there because Malcolm was on a ladder when yeah, it happened. That's the la- That was the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, our production team here, Oscar went up to Maine, took a picture of Malcolm's ladder. Thanks, Couldn't Oscar. get the nail gun. Thanks, Oscar. <laughs> uh, no, it's just amazing. That's why I asked her about relief, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's very difficult, uh, per your point about ineffability, to characterize mm-hmm. this kind of thing. But one of the proxies for it is a great sense of relief. Tara's always been pretty chill, but she's, you know, max chill right now. Like she said, she's got three kids. Her studio is in the basement of the house that they're building. Her life is not, it's chaos. Mm -hmm. And the the fact that she can sort of keep it together the way she does is just amazing to me. True that. So I've got one for you. Actually, I've got two for you. Okay. So she was talking there about the baggage we carry with us, right? Mm-hmm. And the and the baggage that we can that you can let go of. So impedimenta. Okay. So it's obviously the plural of impediment. It's not impediments. Or sorry, I take it back. I thought it was the plural of impediments. The definition of impedimenta is equipment for activity or expedition. The stuff you okay. take with you. They have an example here. She collected her briefcase and other impedimenta. It's like your gear. Okay. Right? I see. And the more you have with you, the harder it is to to move along. Yeah. Right? So it's the things that impede you. We don't need all the stuff we think we need. You just need the self. Mm. So here is my other one. So I was reading this book and it had the following line. But where intelligence must rest without, love and desire can enter in. I did not know that without was the opposite of within. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those ones. I mean, the the original spirit of I've got one for you that, that we used to like text back and forth like, you know, 25 years ago or 20 years ago was all it was the ones that were right under your nose. Right. right. That you just never, it's the definition that you never really think of. So. That's a classic. It's yeah, a total a, classic. Right. Mm-hmm. And another one like that is um, because. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Like in French, it's par cause de or by cause. It's because by yeah. something. Yeah. Bedeviled, because. Because. That's interesting. I like impediment though, too, has the, you know, has the French root ped, like P E D, like. You know, feet or walking. Or walking. It slows, it slows yeah. your step, right? Yeah, yeah. A step. Uh, Joey actually brought that up. Is something impede? It mm-hmm. gets in the way of your step. 
Yeah. Right. So the impedimenta is just the stuff that you're carrying around. It's your gear. It's making it harder for you to move through your limitless existence with complete freedom. Tara had another metaphor too, when she was talking about, I think she was talking about the actual weeds in her garden, right? Like that she needed to do some weeding in the garden, but you know, it was sort of at the same time that she was like, also doing some co- sort no, of no like no 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 she was talking about in her in her mind was it only in her mind no or- I've, I've been to her house they're constructing a house out of uh, the side of a cliff there's no garden there yet oh, okay <laughs> yeah it's a beautiful place but yeah they're not gardening there's tractors and and backhoes and all that stuff well you know on that note Deb loves weeding around the house and I it, it that's a, a bit of her kind of meditation. She does it sometimes weeding. when she's on the phone or she just like goes outside and she likes to just kind of, you know, do some weeding. And she says it oh, like you're never done, right? Like you can never <laughs> finish weeding. If you do, you've spent too much time in your garden. There is a certain part of my garden that I will not be weeding because for the last week and a half, our septic was backing up out into the lawn every day. Oh, uh, thank God it's God. winter. Yeah. Thank God it's winter because it was we were able to deal with it without. Anyway, so Tara Bach and Malcolm Fitch went through the same thing. Let us talk to Joey real quickly about what she's seen in both of those two. All right, so uh, here we are back once again with the highlight of every one of our podcast episodes. What would Joey do? Welcome back, Joey. Thank you, Duff. I'm happy to be here. So today we're talking to Tara, who uh, you spoke about the last time uh, we had her on the program. You have also seen her since her January experience and wanted to talk to you about whether you feel or have seen anything different out of her. I guess the biggest thing I've noticed is that she's... um, She's more open, like willing to reach out when she's not feeling so great or to ask for help, which uh, is hard for, you know, it's maybe, I don't know if it's just women. Uh, Lots of people have trouble asking for help, but I know for me, that was, uh, I always had the attitude of, oh, I can just do it myself. And I think she was similar until just recently and has reached out a couple of times just with questions and asking for a little guidance. But yeah, I've seen a change. Uh, what about in me? Do I ask for more help or less help than I used to? <laughs> Do you ask for help? No, I don't think you've asked me for help. <laughs> you seem to have it all figured out. <laughs> I mean, you know, within reason. Everything except for the final thing, the main thing. I figured it all out except for the... No, I haven't. Just kidding. <laughs> Thanks uh, for joining us again, Joey. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. All right. And we're back. And here we are to uh, Matt's favorite part of every episode. (laughs) A quote from Sri Aurobindo. When I read this line from him, it actually reminded me of speaking to Tara and about the fact that the main project of life should be self because it's always there for the taking. And here we are. We are not only what we know of ourselves, but an immense more which we do not know. Our momentary personality is only a bubble on the ocean of our existence. 
Our mind and ego are like the crown and dome of a temple jutting out from the waves, while the great body of the building is submerged under the surface of the waters. That's like that thing about the glacier, right? But this this one's better. It's like realizing that the target for your inquiry should be turned from without to within. Full circle. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you in a week. Bye-bye. At the present moment, traveling town to town, the mystery of the motion, right here, right now. Right here, right now. Whoa, right here, right now. You've been listening to How to Tickle Yourself with your hosts, Duff McDonald and Matt McButter. You can help us by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with others. You can talk to us and see what else is happening on Instagram and Facebook at How to Tickle Yourself. This program was recorded in Studio B of the historic Rockledge Recording Studio and the Tunnel Under Arundel. Right here, right now, our original 16-part theme music was written and recorded by the legendary Paul Reddick and Kyle Ferguson of the Sidemen with the brilliant Steve Mariner on bass and drums and in the mixing room. The podcast is produced and distributed by Storic Media. Our editor is Andrew Steiner. Our coordinator is Samantha Abramovitz. Our producers are Kristen Verbitsky and Chuck LaBella. For more information, visit storicmedia.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-C media.com. My love, my dear.